Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. It's our hope that the next few moments lead you closer to Jesus, encourage you to grow, and equip you to exist for those not yet here. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that we can bring you fresh content every week as you continue in your walk with Christ. to start this new this new sermon series today. Uh, if you're here, if you're in Montgomeryville, if you're watching online, uh, we get to, I like starting something new. I'm, I'm, I think that's exciting. And today we get to start a, uh, a, a sermon series based on a character so uh, of the Bible. We don't often land like that where you just say, hey, we're going to focus on this person's life for this many weeks. Uh, but I, I absolutely love this story that we're about to ju- jump into. And so uh, I'm not an avid social media person, so to speak, where I'm, you know, staying up with the latest trends and all those things. Uh, but there was something that was happening probably a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago, where people were sharing images uh, of, uh, of two different things. And, and the, the, the premise was uh, how it started, how it's going. You guys remember that? How it started, how it's going. Anybody know what I'm talking about? There's some funny stuff. Let me just, some good stuff, not just funny. Let me just show you some how it started, how it's going. I thought that one was funny. Because I love the office, and so he started like that, and then he spilled it. And so uh, here's, here's some, some good ones, though, uh, how, it, how it started, how it's going. I thought this was cool. Uh, saved artwork from when she was a child. And so some of you, your kids do artwork, and you're like, yeah, it's great. You throw it away, right? They're going to turn into Rembrandt someday. And so how it started, how it's going. Here's a, let's keep going. I like this one. Anybody have awful handwriting? And they teach you how to do cursive, and it's all perfect in school. By the time you write, it looks like this, right? You have to interpret. And so uh, how it started, how it's going. This is cool. Uh, started, started, started here. He loved planes, and now he's a pilot. That's, that's awesome. How it started, how it's going. I like this one. Uh, Simone Biles say, said, how it started, ended up an Olympic athlete. How it's going. Let's keep going. And uh, this, I like this one. How it started, how it's going. You get it? <laughs> I like that one. That was funny, right? Like, you've been replaced, right? And so... We see where your loyalties. How many of you 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 have a dog in your house and it's just you and your wife and you know she if one of you's going it's you and so uh, that's why I got rid of the dog and so this one's cute yeah that was adorable that's cute smiling right and that's cute how it started how it's going and then here's how it started how it's going so these are images from from a movie um, that was on TV a few years ago uh, the movie was called the Bible and this was their portrayal of the character of Samson Samson. Starts here, um, Judges chapter 13 is where you pick up his story, and by Judges 16, about 20 years has passed, his life comes to a crashing hold. And I, I love the story of Samson. He's one of the most polarizing characters in the Bible. Like he did some things in his life, with his life, that are otherworldly. They're, they're, they're crazy. Let me just kind of explain to you the, the, the premise of his life. And so... Uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but we never do good with God when times are going good in our own lives. That's a typical human nature. We do good with God when things are going bad in our own lives. And so we tend to stay close when we're failing, and we tend to keep a distance when stuff's going well. And that, that's not new to us. That is the pattern of the Bible. If you go to the Bible, a few weeks ago I explained to you Caleb and talked to you about the, God's people going into the promised land. God told them when they were going to the promised land, he said, you're going to win wars you shouldn't win. 
You're going to set up cities that you did not build. You're going to eat from vineyards that you did not grow. Everywhere you go, you're going to find success. I I love that. I like to read that over myself and pretend he's talking to me, right? And so, like, everywhere you go, and here's the problem. Every time stuff went well, they forgot God. Take it to the bank. So the story of, of Judges Uh, The book of Judges is a book that lasted, if you read it, 400 years in the history of the the Jewish people. It was a time before kings when what was happening is the people would walk away from God. God would tell them, if you walk away from me, stuff's going to go bad for you. They wouldn't listen. Stuff would go bad. They would pray that God would save them. You ever been here with God? God would save them by, by appointing a judge. And so there's different judges. There's 13 of them. A judge would come in and would lead God's people into a time of peace again, and then they would have a time of peace, and they would forget God, and stuff would go bad, and what would they do? They would pray God sent us a judge, and God would send them, send them a judge, and this lasted for 400 years. Anybody else relate to this? Like you only do well when stuff's going well. You're at church when you're desperate. Stuff gets good, it's easier to not come. It's just easier. It's just human nature. So Samson is one of these judges. Um, his mom and dad, it's pretty interesting uh, kind of a habit in Scripture that God finds somebody that's having a hard time having a kid. And so says the same thing about them. It happened to Abraham and, and Sarah. It happened in, to a woman named Hannah. You can read about Hannah. She had the prophet Samuel. She couldn't have a baby. And so the same thing. These people can't have a baby. God comes to them and says, hey, you're going to have a baby. But not only are you going to have a baby, you're going to have a baby. Like this kid is going to be incredible. I want you to, from, from the moment he's born, I want you to set him apart. Here's all I want you to do. I want you to, to have him take a Nazarite vow. Here's what you're going to do. I want him to never, ever touch alcohol because he's going to be set apart. Never, never touch alcohol. The second thing I want him to do is never touch anything that's dead. Don't go back and mess with dead things. And the third thing that I want him to do is I want him to never cut his hair. I'm going to grow his hair out. I want him to, to be set apart from me. And you see this from the very beginning of his story. In Judges chapter 13, the Bible says it like this. The woman gave birth to a boy and named him Samson. Samson's a good name. We need some more Samsons in our world, right? And so he grew in the Lord. I'm not having any more kids, so you should do it. And so, and blessed him, right? And watch what this Bible says. And the spirit of the Lord began to stir him. Stuff began to go, like you could just see it. Where we don't, we don't have a lot of images of one. He's a child, but he's that guy. You know what I'm saying? Like he's that kid. Every sport he played, he was the best. He was that. You ever see like a little boy, you're like, dude, how do you have an eight pack already? Right? I never had muscles in my life. You got an eight-pack, right? And you eat Twinkies every day. Like, he, he was that kind of guy. He was picking things up for his mom. He was setting things down. He, 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 he was the fastest kid in his class. Like, everywhere he went, the Spirit of God was stirring something in him. He was about to do something incredible in his life. And then for the next 20 years, it's a disaster. It comes to a head in, in Judges chapter 16. You can read about it. I don't have time to read it to you right now. We'll get to it at some point. But he meets a girl named Delilah. If you meet a girl named Delilah, it's not God's will for you. I'm just telling you. And so, sorry if you're Delilah in this place. Change your name. And so, he meets Delilah. I'm just playing. And so, and uh, stuff goes bad. Samson, he was an incredibly strong man with a seriously weak will. And his weakness was women. He meets Delilah. He falls in love with this, this Philistine woman, which, by the way, he's supposed to be taking out the Philistines. And 
Um, she tells him, tell me your strength. Tell me how you get your strength. And he lies to her a couple times. And eventually she does the, the little quivering lip. And she gives him the puppy dog eyes. And you can read about it in scripture. And she convinces him to tell her him his secret. And he says, I, I have my strength from the Lord. He, you know, if I don't cut my hair, I'll have this strength. And so she calls the Philistines. They come in. They tie him up. They, they cut his hair. They pluck out his eyes. And they put him in prison. Uh, the end of his life is at, at this, this event. They have all of the Philistine uh, rulers, the Bible says, the nobles, they're all there. And they asked to bring out Samson because they wanted him to entertain them. And what they meant was, is we're going to walk you out, we're going to make fun of you. Look at the one strong Samson, the one who killed us, the one who destroyed farmland, the, the, the one who mocked us, the one who tells us riddles we couldn't find answer, answers to. Look at you now. And the Bible says Samson prayed to God in what was a crazy, ridiculous moment of grace from God. He says, God, can you give me my strength one more time? Just one more time. His hair had grown out at this point. He had been in prison for some time. His eyes were no longer there. And he asked the Lord to give him his strength. And the Bible says that he walks up and he has uh, the person who was taking care of him put his hands on, a, on pillars. And he prays, God, give me strength. And the Bible says that the Lord brings his strength one more time. He pushes against these pillars, and the, strung, the structure comes tumbling down. And here's the interesting part in Scripture. It says, in that instance, he kills more Philistines than he did in his entire life previously. And then it's very interesting if you, if you read it. If you start in the book of, of, of Judges 13, the Bible tells you where he was from, right? He returns there in his death. Watch what the Bible says in, in, in Judges 16. It says, Samson, let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with his might, and the temple came down, and all the rulers and the people in it. Thus he killed many more when he died than while he lived. Then his brothers and his father, his whole family, went down to get him. They brought him back up and buried him between Zorah and Eshenol in the tomb of Manoah, his father. He led Israel for 20 years. And so it starts here. It ends here, quickly. Somebody would, would probably say, hey, uh, it went bad with Delilah. That was where it all fell apart. Most of us, most common people would say, it went bad with, with Delilah. But I, I would argue it started going bad from the moment that Samson began to work out the things that God had called him to. I, I, I would argue uh, that his life, some of you wonder what's in this box. It's not an animal, but it would have been cool if it was. This is a big, big Jenga. I wanted you to be able to see this. Anybody like Jenga here? I did it twice. Sweet. And so I have a lot of fear about pulling it apart and it falling. Any Jenga fans here? So real, real Jenga, uh, I, there's different ways to play Jenga, but real Jenga, you, you find a piece. Uh, real, real Jenga, you're not allowed to feel the pieces before you touch them, right? But I'm not going to do that because I don't want it to fall down in the first thing. Uh, and then some new school people don't put the pieces on top. I was informed, but old school generation right puts them on top. And so... That's the millennial way to play. And so you don't do it because you don't want it to be tarred. Everybody, who puts them on top when you're done? Anybody throw them to the side? You're weak. And so, <laughs> so the point of Jenga, if you're in Montgomeryville here, is to strategically remove pieces. Uh, you take the piece out, put it on the top, and every piece you take out, the structure weakens. Right? And the goal is you want to take as many pieces as you possibly can out without it falling, and you want to take... The, you want to not take the final piece out when it falls. If you do that, you're, you're a loser. And so you just keep taking pieces out. You find the ones that are, that are loose, and you pull them out. I like playing this with my kid and because so, I like to win. And so keep removing them, putting them on top, right? And uh, most of us would say, most of us would say, 
that the reason that it fell probably is, you know, the last person knocked it over. That's how that you, you, you made it fall, right? And that's what, you look at Samson's life and you go, okay, I'm reading through his life because you, you got to read his story and you'll go, okay, he fell with Delilah. That's, that's, that's where it all went wrong. But if you go back to, to Judges 13, that's about the only good time in the life of Samson. After Judges chapter 13, he begins to step out in things that he should have never stepped out in and they all led to the destruction of his life. And I want to show you this in your own life because oftentimes in church, we look at people, I've met people, they, they, their, their life is going, going great, and then it's like all of a sudden stuff falls apart. And oftentimes when you sit with somebody, it's like it fell apart because of, of this, but the truth is if you would just go back in their life, you would begin to see things. We're going to talk about compromise in a few weeks. You would see compromises, like, hey, here, here's some compromises I've seen in my life. Uh, um, you know, I used to come to church every week, literally every week. I never missed a Sunday. I got saved. I knew what I came from. I started coming to church every week. Then I had a family. I got a family. And it rains sometimes on Sunday morning. Some of you at home right now, because it's raining. I mean, it's just reality. As soon as it's all raining, I'm like, this Sunday's going to suck, the attendance-wise. Like, people are just not going to come because they're American. I can tune in online. It's raining. When you first got saved, listen, rain, snow, hail, typhoons, right? tsunamis, nothing would stop you from getting to church. You were coming to church every week and you came expectantly because God was going to do something incredible in your life. But then it starts, starts to compromise. Some of you in your, in your marriages, you can, you can see it. Like you, but you meet people, their marriages fall apart and you, you're like, oh man, what, what happened, right? What happened? But the truth is you start to see this entitled spirit in some people. We'll talk about that in a few weeks. Entitlement. I'm entitled to, you know, skip church, and I'm entitled to not spend time with the Lord, and I'm, I'm entitled, you know, to, to, to this. And I, so you, you meet people who are like, you, you, you know, you know how, what it takes to have a good marriage. Yeah, but I'm entitled. Like, everybody else lives like this. I'm entitled to spend time with the opposite sex, people that I'm not married to. It's part of what I do as a job. And all of a sudden, you start seeing these compromises come into their life. You start seeing these entitlements come into to their life, and, 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 and it comes. Some of you, uh, money-wise, we could just talk, talk about that. Like, you, you, you. You, you, you see it in people's lives. Like you see this train wreck coming with their money. Like it's, it's the first thing that oftentimes we stop obeying it uh, when it comes to, to, to the Lord is our finances because it's just the easiest thing. He doesn't need our money. And the problem is most of the time when you start doing something that you shouldn't be doing, when you stop doing something you should be doing, most of the time you take the peace out, you put it in, no harm, no foul. Because we serve this really gracious God. I mean, are you trying? Like he, he doesn't treat us as we should be treated. Like we joke about all the time, like, man, if I, if, 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 if I come to church, God would put me down with a lightning bolt, right? God would, he's going to strike me down. Man, this is, this is getting harder. He's going to strike me down. The truth is, you can come here fine. He's not going to do nothing to you today. You can come into this place. No one's striking you down with you. You might get rained on, right, because of the roof in here, but you're not getting struck down. Like the grace of God is so ridiculously good in our lives, and you can do whatever you want. And you can just keep stacking it up. And then when stuff goes bad and somebody removes the piece and everything falls down, you're like, that's the reason they fell apart. No, it's not. It's been a series of steps in the wrong direction that causes so many people to fail. And so he, here's the goal of the sermon series. Remember the last sermon series I told you I just want you to join a home group? That's still, uh, the home groups are out there today. And so I still want you to join a home group. The goal of this sermon series, if I could just be honest with you, is I want to point out areas of your life that can and will take you down before they do take you down. One of the hardest, 
if you, I want you to hear it in my voice as an older, 40, almost 43-year-old man. And what I mean is been through this for the last 20 years. One of the hardest parts of this job is watching people you love suffer because they make decisions that are outside of the will of God and then be shocked with the consequences. I want you to lean into this. I want you to, you're not the exception to the rule. You're, you're, it's not going to turn out different. It's not going to be a shock when one plus one leads to two. That's not a shock. That's the way life works. So I just want you to, I just want you to hear me and I want you to see it and I want you to be real enough with yourself over the next couple of weeks as we dive into different areas of Samson's life. His life didn't fall apart with Delilah. It was falling apart long before that. So what I want to do is I want to help you work through these issues. And here's the very first one. Uh, Samson was born into success. He was born into, before he even came around, before he had a spoon in his mouth, before he spoke his first word, what did, what did the Lord tell his mother? The Lord told his mother, this dude's going to be born and he is going to do incredible things for my earthly kingdom at this point. He, he, he's going to defeat the Philistines. He's going to be strong. He's going to be gifted. He's going to be talented. Heck, he's going to be famous. Everybody's going to know who he is. At that point, if you were a judge, it was like being a king. And I want you to see something that's so interesting in the story of judges. If you go back into the interaction before he ever comes. Watch what the Bible says in Judges chapter 13. If you go down to verse number five, he, he, the, the angel tells the, the mother, you're going to become pregnant and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor because the boy is a Nazarite, dedicated to God in, from the womb. Watch what this says though. He'll take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. He's going to be a big deal. How many of you know when, when, when you step into something that's a big deal, there's a weight to that responsibility? Some of you pray for success from the Lord, but you're not ready for success. There's a responsibility. So I love this, what I would call divine humility from his father. In fact, uh, if you are a father uh, and you have unborn kids, this is a great prayer. This is a phenomenal prayer to pray over your unborn child. Watch what he says. He knows what the promise from God is. Watch what, watch what he says. Then Manoah, his father, prayed to the Lord. So humble. He says, pardon your servant. I beg you to let the man of God you sent to us come again. And watch what he says. To teach us how to bring this boy up. What he's going to do is going to be crazy. People are going to be worshiping him. They're going to be bowing at his foot. They're going to be starting Instagram pages where they hashtag him, right? He's going to have the opportunity to literally have any girl that he wants. Anything, right? Here's what I want you to do. God, give me the strength to instill in him the ability to handle the success you want to bring into his life before he gets to that point. And here's, here's why it's so important. You don't learn how to handle success when it comes. You get prepared for it. Nothing destroys more people spiritually than prosperity and success. Let me, let me tell you that again. Nothing destroys people quicker in their spiritual walk with the Lord, in my opinion, than prosperity and success. So you get prepared. I, I, I gave you this example years ago because I've talked about this many times uh, because, because of the nature of this. Um, but how many of you, how many of you know so many people are having babies right now in our church? You guys know that? Like if you learn, turn around, people, there's two people sitting in the seat beside you. And so it's a baby. And so uh, people pregnant everywhere, like literally everywhere. And so I remember when, I had a, when we had a baby uh, 14 years ago in the hospital before we, when we were in there, they make you do certain things 
before you get to leave the hospital. You guys know what I'm talking about? So they make you bring your, your, your car seat up to make sure you know how to adequately strap your kid in. You guys remember this? Put your kid in the car seat. Nothing to make you watch a video. You guys remember the video they made you watch? The video was on the dangers of shaking your baby. Right? A few years the hospital. And I remember when I watched it, I was like, what monster would ever do that to their kid? Until the middle of the night a few weeks in. And I got it. You, you, you have a baby. You've done everything you could possibly do for that baby. You've changed them. You've sang to them. You've fed them, right? You, you, you've changed them again. You get a book out and read it. You do everything. And they just scream in your face like a demon, right? You're like, and you're at that point, you're like, I get it. I know why you showed that to me. Because you wanted me to be prepared for this. And this is what, this is what you don't get prepared for God to bring success into your life when it comes, you get prepared before. I mean, and for my kids, I don't, I'm not praying my kids are going to be successful. I know my kids are going to be successful. That's not an arrogant thing. The Bible says train your child up in the way they should go. When they, grow, they, when they grow old, they will not depart. And so my kids, we've been training them up since they were young. Are they perfect? No. But do I believe in the promises of Scripture? Yes. What's success? Whatever God wants to do in their life. I don't know what that looks like. But do I believe they're going to be successful? Absolutely. So here's what I pray for my kids. God, Help them to handle the success that you bring into their life. And how many of you know if you have a little kid that's trying to figure that out? It's really hard. I mean, just this week, Lincoln, he's, he's in seventh grade. He's figuring out humility and figuring out, you know, you know, keeping himself in check and figuring out not having pride. And he's playing football on the seventh and eighth grade team. And he's the backup quarterback because he's the, the seventh grader. And I'm like, I'm telling him, I'm trying to tell him, get him prepared. Like, you might be the backup quarterback forever. Right? Like, you could literally sit on the bench for the rest of the you sure you want to play quarterback? You know, you sure you get, it's, it's kind of rough back there. You sure you don't want to do something else where you get to play? No, he wants, I want to play quarterback. So he's a seventh grade quarterback, and they have a scrimmage this week. And the, the kids come in, and the very first drive of the game, the eighth grade quarterback gets hurt, gets a concussion. He's out of the game. I see Lincoln pulling his helmet on. It, it, as a parent, you see the kids, you just see the kid get wrecked. You're like, oh, crap, right? He goes in, and because of the grace of God, maybe, I don't know what happened. He, he drops back, throws a, probably a 20-yard perfect pass, hits the guy, catches it. We drive down. We get on the one-yard line. They do this little quick out where the guy, the tight end, runs like this and cuts up. I don't even know what it's called. I'm a soccer player. And Lincoln throws an absolute dime on a string to the guy that scored a touchdown. You know what I first thought? I'm never going to hear the end of this. We get there. I'm super proud. I'm excited. We get home. He's like, did you see that? Did you see that dot? Did you see that dime? Did you see? I'm like, we all saw that we were there, bro. And what's the hardest thing? Stay humble. Stay humble. You, you might have to play more. We don't know what's going on. You might got to play the next game. You might get killed next game. Like, stay humble, right? Like, don't let it go to your head. Stay humble. It's hard for a seventh grader. Like, did you see it, though? We got pictures from one of his teachers. Did you see the pictures? That's a good one. Make that my screensaver. I'm like, you're not making yourself your screensaver. It's not happening. Right? It's humility. It's, it's, I pray for, for people all the time. Like, it's... You see people in your church, you pray, man, God, make them successful in their businesses. But, but the prayer I've prayed as I've gotten older is not bring success, it's, it's bring the ability to handle the success. Keep, keep, keep them where, where, where you were at. And, I, and I, I'm just telling you, the thing that happened to Samson, he was born into success that he did not deserve. And I just, I want to make sure I remind you, if you're saved, you've been saved by grace, which means you don't deserve what you have. So you've been given something just like Samson was given that you didn't deserve. You've been born into it. So what's your greatest challenge going to be? I'm going to handle myself in success. And so I want to give you just a few thoughts. And I want to show you this as I end from a story with Christ. And because here's the thing about it. Jesus knew this. 
Jesus handled success perfectly, all right? And he's going to leave and go back to heaven, and he's going to remind his disciples, hey, you're going to get pretty popular. You're going to get pretty famous. People are going to want to talk to you. And I want to remind you to keep yourself in the right mindset or success will ruin you. Watch what he says in the book of, uh, of, of Matthew chapter 23. It says, Jesus says to the crowds and his disciples, the teachers of the law sit in Moses' seat. So be careful to do everything they tell you, but don't do what they do, for they don't practice what they preach. In other words, they have this success in their life, but it's gone to their head, he says. They tie up heavy cumbers and loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do is done for somebody else to see it. Somebody highlight that. Number one problem in our world, we do nothing without being seen right? Everything we do, we need somebody to know we did. We do, right? Like that's just the way that we work. We put some, we, we pay for some of somebody, we let people know. It's our anniversary, the entire world knows. Sunday, you know, son's days, daughter's days, dog's days, work days, secretary days, eagles, everything, everything is about, is about us. Everything is about telling people what we do. What does Jesus say to do? He said, here's the problem. Everything they do, they want other people to see that they do it. Watch, watch what he goes on to say. He says, uh, uh, the, everything, uh, everything is done for people to see. They make their phylacteries wide and their tassels on their garments long. They were, they were, they were, they were, they were religious clothes. They were so bad. Like they, they literally, everywhere they want, they wanted people to know that they, they, they were who they were. They love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. You ever think about that when you go somewhere? They, they love, they love to, the position that they have, they love the perks of it. I love to get a, Good seat, he says. Love the place of honor. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces, and they love to be called rabbi. But you're not to call anybody rabbi, for you have one teacher. You're all brothers. And don't call anyone on this earth father. We should highlight that. Send that to somebody. Don't call anyone on this earth father, for you have one father. He's in heaven. Now, are you, nor are you to be called instructors. Jesus is taking every cool name they could possibly refer to themselves as. Oh, wait. We're going to be rabbis. No, you're not. Okay, we're going to be teachers. No, you're not going to be a teacher. Okay, can I just get instructor on my card? You know, you see Peter, can I just be an instructor? And what does Jesus say? You're not going to be an instructor either. You have one, the Messiah. Watch what he says. The greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. I want to show you just a few things. This is, this is something that's really important to me. If you've been here before, I've worked you through this. Um, this is what's going to help you to maintain success, which is what we want in our lives. We, we want to, I, I want to do great things for God. Anybody else? I want my life to matter. I want, I want you to want that. I want your life. If you're going to be on this earth, I want you to make a difference for the kingdom of God, right? And so I want to teach you how to do it because what I've seen is oftentimes when this begins to find people's lives, as it did Samson, success ruins them. So I called this message the successful handling of success. Here's three things. Number one is this, is you're going to pray and you're going to ask God, keep your heart humble. Keep your heart humble. What's the greatest, the greatest problem with Samson? It's his pride. It's, it's, it's a big deal. His name is famous. Uh, his muscles, they're, they're, they're world famous. His strength is famous. Uh, his hair, people, people are trying to sponsor him. Pantene Pro-V wants to be part of Samson's, you know, he wants to be, be an influencer. I mean, every girl, 
Every girl in Jerusalem wants to be with, with, with Samson. I mean, he's that guy, right? You ever meet that guy? He is that guy. He, he, he's cool. He, he, he's accomplished. His resume has him tearing animals apart and killing people with the jawbone of a donkey. Like, he is an awesome, awesome, awesome figure to, to most people. And here, here, here's, here's, here's the problem. The problem is the stirring in his life that God began to produce, instead of it making him a person that said, you know what, the Stirring is going to lead me to a mindset of serving. He allowed God's power to produce a heart sick with pride. We do it all the time. Instead of God doing something great in our lives and us saying to God, how do you want me to steward this? What, what, what do you want me to give my time to? What, you've, you've increased my money, my ability for finances. God, maybe you increase my standard of living so you can increase my standard of giving. God, you've given me these gifts, talents, and abilities. Maybe instead of drawing attention to myself because of these gifts, talents, and abilities, I, I should draw attention to the one who gave them to me. And, and, instead of developing a heartbeat of humility, he began to allow pride to overtake his life. And this is what Jesus says. He says, hey, listen, you're going to be really popular soon. Some people are going to love you. Other people are going to hate you. But still, everybody's going to know your name. And it's hard it's hard to bring glory and honor to Jesus and also promote your own name. When you, I always tell, tell some, when you remain fa uh, faceless, God can become famous. But if you are, listen, if you're the face, if you're building yourself, no longer can the name of Jesus be made famous because it's all about it's all about you. So what does he say? He says, listen, make sure you keep a heart of serving. Why? Because that's going to keep you in a humble manner. And it, the more humble that you stay, the more that God can bless your life. So what's the opposite of, of humility? It's pride. You ever, you ever, I've given you this pride test before, and I try to remind myself to go back to this all the time because it feels like I'm constantly working on pride. But here's the things that, here's how you know you struggle with pride is that you, you brag a lot about your own accomplishments. And sometimes you don't even brag. You just lead into conversations where you can brag. You know what I'm talking about? You ask a lead-in question, but you know they're going to answer. So then you can say, say something that you've already pre-planned to say. So you can talk about what you've done that week. It's actually pride in our lives. You smugly think of yourself as spirit, spiritually superior. You're argumentative and you always think your way is right. I don't know about you, but every time I read that, I think, oh, no. Oh, no. You have a sharp, critical tongue, and you're quick to point out faults with others. Yes, that's my spiritual gift, Lord. Thank you for that, right? You become defensive when you're criticized. You frequently interrupt people when they're speaking. Yes, that's my job. I'm a communicator, right? Like, that's what I'm supposed to do. You often complain. Here's a good one about the weather. <laughs> I would love to be in some of your cars today. Because so, I know what I was saying when I pulled up. Do you neglect to express gratitude for the little things to God? Do you react negatively to rules or have a hard time being told what to do? Here's what the Bible says about pride in Proverbs 16. It said, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before the fall. I try to remind myself of that all the time. What do you do if you want to handle sustained success in your life? Is you, you keep your heart humble. Let me, let, me, let me give you a really practical step to keeping your heart humble. Number two is this. Keep your head down. This is, by the way, I'm trying to teach you something you should say to yourself every day. In prayer, God, today I want you to give me a pure heart, give me clean hands. 
Keep, keep my heart humble today, Lord. Help me to focus my attention on you. Help me to make less of myself and, and more of you. But do you see where I'm starting? I'm starting with, with, the, with the correct posture, which is keeping your head down. What's so interesting is when we pray, uh, the, the, the posture of our prayer oftentimes is to do what? Is to bow our what? Our heads and close our eyes. Now, I ask you that every week, and some of you just look at me anyways. I get it, right? But when we actually pray, we bow our heads. What do we do? And we close our eyes. And when we bow our heads, what is it a sign of? It's a sign that you're God and I'm not. You're God in my life and I'm not. And here's what's so interesting. Let me just, I started digging into the life of Samson um, and trying to find different little tidbits of things that I've missed in my childhood when I, you know, watched, watched the, the cartoons of the story of Samson. And here's what I found interesting as I was reading through commentary and studying Samson in Judges 13, 14, 15, and 16. He was a judge, which means he was employed by God on mission, right? And when God calls you to something that you need his strength for, the great routine in your life is to constantly go back to the one who provides the strength. Are you tracking with me? So if you're a pastor and you never go to the one and posture yourself in a place of humility and you never go back to the person who can provide you the strength and the wisdom to do what you're called to do, that's where burnout happens. And what was so interesting about the story of Samson, if you read through his story, there's only two times that are documented in scripture that he goes and he talks to God. He's there on God's behalf, and you know what the two times, they're very interesting. Both times, it's because he needs something from God. Hey, God, can you, can you help me with this? Hey, God, can you give me strength to push these, these, these columns down? Hey, hey, hey God, can you, can you do this for me? God, can you, and never, never once did he just say, God, I just need you. I need you to help me be a right, righteous judge. I need you to help me get through this. I need you. His posture is wrong. His posture is one of pride. He would walk around, and what would he see? Everybody looking at him. That's Samson. All eyes on Samson. That's, look at Samson. Look how strong he is. Look, look, how, look, look, how, look how muscular. Look at, look at his hair. Look what he does. Did you hear what Samson did? And his eyes. Listen, if your eyes are not focused on the Lord, when people start to praise you, it becomes toxic. If your eyes are not focused on the one who's called you to do what he's called you to do, and your eyes are focused on the praise of other people, right? If you live for other people's praise, you're going to die from it, right? And so he's focused on that. And what happens is because his head is not down, pride begins to creep up into, into his life. And so you're going to keep, listen, keep your head down, keep your heart humble. Let me just give you, let me give you one more thought. Uh, no, number three is this, is keep your hands busy. Keep, keep your heart humble Keep your hand, head down. Keep your hands busy. It literally sounds like the Noah's Ark outside right now. And so it's pouring right now as I'm talking. And, and here, here's, here's, this one's really important. Here's why. Success often changes people, and I hate it. So I've watched people become successful and uh, slowly change into somebody that they were not when they first started. It's because we don't keep our head down in humility. It's because we've allowed pride to get into our hearts. And so when I say keep my hands busy, here's what I mean. Uh, I'm always going to tell myself, hey, hey don't, don't let what you have, the perks that you now have, create you into a, what I would call spiritual jerk. Don't let the perks make you a jerk. And here's, I'll remind myself, what did you do? What did you do when nobody was coming to your church? What, 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 how did you think? What, what? How did you work? What, 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 did you, what, what are you praying for? And whatever it was, keep doing those things now, even though you don't have to do those things anymore. Don't let success change you. So I'll give you an example, and I've used this before, but some of you weren't, weren't at church. When we first started the church, it was just me. 
just me. We were at Morningstar Fellowship, mom and dad's church, and we met in the youth room upstairs, and it was literally just me, and uh, uh, I would do everything. Like, not, not in a pat myself on the back. You just, if you start a business, you know how it is. You have to do, you have to do everything. And so, uh, first thing I would have to do is I would have to do all the bulletins on the, on the copier. Some of you are like, what's a bulletin? It's this thing on paper. Uh, paper, and we used to hand paper things out to every person that walked through the door with announcements on it. So we didn't have announcement videos. I would get on a, pub, a program called Publisher, right? I didn't know how to use Photoshop. I used to use Publisher. And uh, Publisher is the word art, right? It's like word art for, for, for the computer. And I would type out the announcements, and I would put them on a, on, a, on a format and print them out. And then I would take every copy. I used to make 45 copies in the beginning. And uh, I would perf them. I had this thing. It would cut it. And then, and then I can move it over, and I could perf it, and on the side was the connection card. If you don't know what a connection card is, you're new to church, right? And so you're going to hear us use that word all the time. You want to get connected, right? You're like, no, I don't. And so I don't even know what that means. And so it uh, just means you want to get involved. We, we want to we build community with you. And so, and then I would, on Sunday, I would stand at the bottom door of the youth room. And so our church service used to be up in the youth room, and... Uh, we had red plastic chairs, so none of this padded soft stuff, right? It's soft, right? We used to have these red plastic chairs. And then scattered in there, if you were lucky, we had some pleather black couches that we would slide in for the people who got there early enough, right? It was a little bit of a, a little motivation to get there early. And I was standing at the bottom of the steps, and I could see out into the parking lot. And I used to pray, hey, God, just send me, just send me 27 people today. Just, 20, just 27. I, I have 45 bulletins. I'm not, listen, I'm not even going to shoot for an A. Just send me a B minus. I'll take 27 people. And I would stand at the bottom of the thing. And, and in the beginning, I would hand out every bulletin. People walk in. I remember they would walk into the thing, and I'd be looking at them. I'd be like, oh, are they coming to Journey or going to Morningstar? And then I start to pray. Hey, God, they have enough people. God, just turn their hearts like you split the Red Sea and just bring them up the stairs. And I remember how excited I was when they would turn in, and I'd be like, coming to Journey. I'd be like, yeah, we're coming to Journey. And I'd be like, give me a high five. That's where it started. Give me a high. You're coming to Journey today? All right. And then, and then I would say, hey, upstairs, we got, we got donuts. I would stop and get donuts on the way. I would get four dozen. I would break the bank, right? Four dozen whole donuts. They would come upstairs. And, and this, this is this. And then we would preach. Sometimes I would sing. And, and then at the end, we would tear. Like, everything was a big deal. It was all hands on deck. And so now it's, it's, it's a bunch of years later. I'm 42 years old. And I'm a little bit more composed and, and a little bit more accomplished, if you want to say that. And I don't need to stand at that front door anymore. I don't need to. I don't need to stand out there. We got, we got greeters. They're much better than me. They like people, right? And like, they're there. And I got no motivation. I don't passing out bulletins anymore. We got people. We got people to do that. If we're going to do something, we got Vinay. She's, she's to do that. And Leah will think of this. And Piper will design it. I don't got to do any of that, right? But I think to myself, what would, I, what would I do if I didn't have success? Where would I be? And when I can tell you where I would be, I'd still be at that front door. And so every Sunday, at some point, I try to walk my way out to that front door and I just, I just want to, I just want to say hi to people. I, you know, I don't go past the front door because it's raining outside. That's stupid. And so, and it's, it's not because I'm trying to meet every person or sell myself. This is just what I did when we started. And I don't want to be too big for my britches. And I just, I just found that success changes people. And one of the best things you could do is just keep doing the same things you were doing when you started. Keep caring the same way. Keep giving the same effort. I know, I know roles change. I, I know that. I read leadership books. Like there's times you got to step out. You can't be involved in every aspect of your thing. But I'm talking about the little things that you used to do that now you don't have to do anymore. I don't have to park for I got a spot now in the front at my company, right? I don't have to talk to people. People come find me and talk to me now, right? I don't got to do that. When I first started, I, nobody knew me. Now everybody knows me. I walk around. Everybody knows I'm the big wig of this place. 
You just think that's how success changes people. So what do you do? You keep your hands busy. Just keep doing the right same things. Just keep, keep, keep going. Just keep serving the way you've been serving. Keep, keep taking the same opportunities you've been taking. Don't let it change you. You're going to keep your head down every day. Hey, God, thank you so much for the success you're bringing into my life. Thank you for building this business. This is your business. Thank you for my spouse. Thank you for my kids, because you know kids become idols to a lot of people I've seen in church. Like you have this kid, you pray for so long, and then you have them, and you wrap your entire life around them, and you actually lead them away from the Lord. And God, thank you for these kids. Let me point them towards you. Some of you, it's your health. Like you, you lost your health for a while, now you have it back, but you forgot what it was like to not have it, and you have it back. You thank him for that. Some of you, you don't have anything to thank God for right now except for the breath in your lungs. And if he's allowing you to breathe today, he's already being better to you than he should be. Amen? Thank you for the breath in my lungs. Thank you that I'm here today. Some of you, if you would just do that at church when you walk through these doors, and uh, you would just remember right before you walk through these doors at both of our campuses, right before you walk into this room, that you're about to have a meeting with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And if you would just walk in and you would just say, Hey, God, thank you for giving me another chance to be in your presence today. Thank you that you allow. Remember that old song, Amazing Grace? One of the words they put in that song that you won't really hear in a modern-day church is the, is the word wretch. Because it's kind of offensive, right? But the, Bible, the, Bible, the song says that he saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Do you remember that? Remember the first time you walked through the doors of a church and you were like, ah, hesitated, and you're like, I don't know if I should be in there, and then you walked in and you felt the presence of God? I mean, get back to that place. Remember how early you came when you came the first time? Get back to that time. Remember how much you used to give, the effort you used to give when you began to say, get back to that. Like, don't stop what you're doing. Don't let success ruin you. Stay humble. And the Bible promises that God can bring sustained success to your life. And here's what will happen. You'll get to heaven one day. And you hear the same thing that hopefully all of us want to hear. What, what do we want to hear when we get to heaven? Well, well done. Not, not well tried. Not good five years. Right? Not a good month. Well done. It means I, I came and I did everything that I was supposed to do on this side of eternity. Well done. Good and faithful. What does he say? He doesn't call you by a title. Did you notice that? He doesn't say, hey, good job, doc. Way to save people down there. What does he call all of us? Servant, because if you want to be great, you got to learn how to serve. See how it all comes together? So don't let success ruin your life. Would you stand to your feet all over this place? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes quickly with me? I love that word, humility. Because it's the only way we get to meet the Lord. It's the only road of, of, of salvation, the road of humility. I love the promise in scripture that one day every knee will bow. Every tongue's going to confess that Jesus is Lord. What scripture's trying to say is you have the opportunity to do it now, or you can find out later on the other side of eternity that you missed it. You missed the grace, you missed the, the mercy, you missed the forgiveness, you missed the hope. The Bible talks about how we can develop a hardened heart, one that walks in pride. That, a hardened heart, by the way, is what happens after years of pride being allowed to exist in your heart. 
You become so hardened. You think you got it all figured out. You think you can fix stuff that you can't fix. You think you can handle things that you cannot handle. Humility says, I'm turning my life to Christ. I can't do this on my own. I can't carry the weight of my past. I can't handle the anxiety of an unknown future. I can't fix my bitterness. I'm so angry at life. That depression that I struggle with, I just can't figure it out. I keep going to doctors and therapists and I just keep being depressed. Humility says, I know what the answer is, Jesus. He brings joy, he brings peace, he brings forgiveness. Um, he brings love. He brings a hope to our lives. He brings the ability to restore and change and transform. He's a God of freedom. And ultimately, that's why we're here. We live our life in the freedom of knowing that we've been saved by grace through faith. And it's the greatest gift of God. Our salvation has not only paid the price of our sin, but it's secured us a place in eternity. So if you truly know Christ, you don't fear death. You don't fear death because this has never been your home. You're like Paul. He says, for me to live is Christ, for me to die is gain. That's the gift of Christ. And the Bible says this about you, about me. Every one of us is a sinner. That's where we start. We fall short of the glory of God. The wages of our sin is death and hell, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. I love this part. Paul said, he said, for anyone, and he was definitely in anyone, for anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus died on the cross, that he was placed in a tomb and on the third day, that he rose in power, that he defeated death and hell, that if you confess and believe, that you'll be saved, you'll be healed, you'll be made whole, you'll be forgiven, and you'll be set free. Some of you have been walking away from the Lord, but today, today's your day. Today's your day. Hey, Lord, I'm going to turn my life over to you. I want you to become my Lord and my Savior. And as we, 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 we contemplate all these words, I want to lead you in a prayer today. Maybe you're here and you don't know Christ, but you need to. You don't have a relationship with him. You're not walking in peace. You don't have that joy that I'm talking about. You don't have a hope, but you need it. You want it. Jesus, I want you to come into my life right now. Right where you're at, right there in that seat, he sees you. He's knocking at the door of your heart. Would you let him in? Would you let him in? Would you let him in? If you're, all, if you're in this place here in Montgomeryville and you would say, hey, that's me. You know, I'm talking to you right now, not worried about the person to your right or left. Trust me, they got their own problems. It's just reality. But you need Christ. You need him to come in. You need him to heal you, forgive you, and set you free. Don't be talked out of it. Don't let shame keep you from it. Tell fear to get away from you right now. I need Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. If that's you, would you just put your hand straight towards heaven and say, hey, you're speaking to me right now. You're talking to me. There's a hand right here. There's another hand right here. Another hand back here. Another hand. Another hand over here. Hey, just do me a favor all over this place as we pray, both here in Montgomeryville. Let's pray together. I want you to do something that's a little different maybe than maybe you've done before in church. I want you to repeat after me. 
We're going to talk to Jesus today. Say, Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for bringing me into this room and meeting me right where I am. Jesus, I believe it's through you that I become a brand new person. When I leave this place, I'm going to be completely transformed. My heart's going to be whole. My mind's going to be healed. And there's things in my life that have held me captive for years that right now I'm free from. In the name of Jesus. And everybody shout amen with me. Amen. Let's clap together all over these houses. Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to our podcast. If you decided to give your life to Jesus after hearing this message or want to learn more about how you can join us in person, visit jrny.church for more resources or to find a location near you. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you.